Being right is not a bulletproof vest. Gary Figsy Figgis. Ray Liotta. Copland. 1997. Directed by James Mangold. Great score there by the very talented Howard Shore. Welcome back, guys, to Flicks with Critch. Welcome to episode two. We'll be discussing Copland, written and directed by James Mangold in 1997. With just his second screenplay, he enticed... What? Robert De Niro, Sylvester Stallone, Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta? And those are just the stars. Wait till we talk about the supporting cast later. How did he do that? Well, we're going to talk about it. I would say, after sifting through several interviews with the aforementioned stars of the film, the one thing that drew them to this picture is the script. This is James Mangold's sophomore effort, and I got to say, a pretty good one. It's a rich, character-driven, neo-Western if I may. Rich? Character-driven? What do you mean by that? Well, the characters are really thoughtfully written, with many storylines and subplots that ultimately tie up together, and the lead characters of the film drive the movie. It's not so much about action as it is there's an inciting incident, lots of drama that plays out, And then that ultimately culminates in a final shootout. Which is why I think it is a modern-day Western. And I think most people agree with that assessment. Because that's more or less what the filmmakers were going for. We're going to talk about them, break down some of the best scenes in the movie, and why they work, and play the fun game. Do you know who's in that film? So for those of you who have seen it, and for those of you who have not, Copland is about Sylvester Stallone playing a sheriff in a New Jersey community that's home to a bunch of New York police officers. And he kind of slowly discovers that the town is actually a front for like mob connection types and corruption. And drama ensues. So Sylvester Stallone, what are you doing in this movie This isn't Rocky. This isn't Rambo. Or some down-the-line action flick like Judge Dredd or Demolition Man. I actually really like Demolition Man. That's That's a good one. It's a fun watch if you get the time. But I'm getting to the point that this isn't your stereotypical shoot 'em up run-through-the-fire, endless ammunition action flick. 
I think he wanted to turn away from the whole stereotype of, you know, that and the whole yo kind of weird accent he developed a stereotype for over time. And in doing that, he, he wanted to pick a piece that was a character study of, you know, someone who's flawed, someone who kind of sees the world as it is and just is going through the motion in his life at this point that he has little things to be hopeful about, but he tries anyway. And you could tell he's going for it in this film, probably his most dramatic role to date. You know, he did the whole method thing where he was eating fried chicken and put on like 40 pounds and it shows. So credit to him for doing that. I guess you kind of have to when you're going to share the screen and go toe to toe with such acclaimed actors as Robert De Niro and Harvey Keitel and Ray Liotta. I love Robert De Niro in this film. He was kind of on this run of playing just rich supporting characters. And whenever his scenes would happen, he would just chew them up. And they were incredible. He was doing this in the likes of, uh, you know, Goodfellas, Backdraft, um, This Boy's Life. Then he kind of resurfaced as a leading man in Casino and Heat. Then kind of went back to the supporting thing and, you know, this. Jackie Brown was next. Wag the dog after that. I mean, the work speaks for itself. Then you have Harvey Keitel. The man auditioned for the famed actor's studio 11 times before he got in. And then soon after that, he landed in some Scorsese films with De Niro. Taxi Driver. Mean Streets. Ever hear of them? Suffice to say, there's some pretty heavy hitters. So I don't think they'd sign on to this movie for no reason. And then there's Ray Liotta to anchor the leads. Field of Dreams. Goodfellas. Unlawful Entry. The range on this man. Able to be charming in one movie and a complete psycho in another. So, he's a great fit for this cast. Because he can really bring it. There's also some incredible actors to round out the ensemble cast. Robert Patrick, you guys probably know him more famously as the T-1000 from Terminator 2. Janine Garoppolo's in this movie? You don't usually find comedy actors in too many dramas. Peter Berg, actor turned director, directed Hancock, Friday Night Lights, Lone Survivor, Patriot's Day. Annabelle Sioria, she plays the love interest in this movie. Michael Rappaport is in this movie. Uh, Kathy Moriarty, Malik Yoba, the late Frank Vincent, John Spencer, I'm pretty sure he passed away too. Noah Emmerich, great, that guy. Uh, the best friend from uh, Truman Show. He's also in a million other things. Yeah, great ensemble cast. James Mangold had trouble making this movie. He wrote the script and kind of shopped it around Hollywood. And he had some meetings with executives and, you know, they didn't go so well for one reason or the other. So he continued to work on other things, but then he got it onto a, uh, uh, a hot list 
if you will. And then a lot of producers came calling and finally it landed at Miramax, which, uh, ooh, ran by the, uh, Weinstein brothers <laughs> in which he would ultimately have a lot of conflicts with them during the production of this. It was kind of him, little guy fighting the studio more or less the whole time. They had to do a little bit of reshoots and even usher in some, uh, narration, to kind of quote unquote make more sense of the film, I guess as if the audience wouldn't understand it per se. I'm pretty sure Mangold wanted to send the film to Cannes Film Festival and Harvey Weinstein was just like, no, we don't need some palm on our movie cover to sell tickets. Huge mistake, I think, in the long run. But yeah, if you want to read more on this and, and kind of, uh, and kind of get a more recent take on what Mangold thought of the film. There's a great Vulture article out there that uh, he kind of does a deep dive into all of this. I don't want to, you know, paraphrase and pull words from that. So, but I think it's it's worth checking out. I I read it over the summer, and it's interesting how relevant this movie is, and this time and this political climate. So yeah. The film takes place in a fictional town, Garrison, New Jersey. They actually shot in New Jersey. And the uh, the opening sequence is actually shot on the lower level of the George Washington Bridge. Um, on a personal note, my uncle did lighting and gaff work on this movie. And at a Thanksgiving party one year, I asked him about... His experience on the film, um, I think it was overall a positive one. We were... Uh, getting kind of liquored up and he told me some tales of the tape which i can't repeat on this podcast unfortunately but there's some fun stories around this movie which i think gives it even more reason to revisit or watch for the first time this movie had a lot of oscar buzz or accolade hype going into it and around it given the star power that had signed on to be in this movie didn't live up to the expectations could people believe the hype? Maybe to find out the answer to these questions, we should take a look at some scenes and break them down. Let's do that. Listen, Sheriff, I'm really sorry to have awoken you from your slumber, but it's over. Hands are tied now. You shut me down. No, no, listen to me. You're IA. That's why I came to you. You can do whatever you want. Remember you came to me and said, you want to be a cop? I'm being a listen cop now. I'm here. I'm I offered asking you, you a for chance. some help. I need to do something. I need to do this for listen myself. Listen to me, you deaf... I offered you a chance when we could have done something. I offered you a chance to be a cop, and you blew it! You blew it. And you blew it! Classic De Niro. Hard at work. It's a pretty good scene between De Niro and Stallone. What I love about De Niro in this movie is not so much his interactions with his fellow actors, but just with everything around him. If you watch the movie, you'll see and notice that he just walks around the set and picks up and touches everything. Like in this particular scene, he's eating a sandwich and then complains about not having any like napkins. And he like looks in the bag, looks around his desk for him. It's just great. So make a mental note of that next time you watch this or for your first watch. It's just see how he surveys and plays with the environment that he's laid in. As he plays his character, Mo Tilden, an internal affairs investigator. But next up, a Ray Liotta highlight. 
The goal is perpetual motion. You move diagonal. You turn the wheel when you hit a red light. But you don't drive down Broadway to get to Broadway. But how does this apply to what you were saying? Inside? It applies, Freddy! It's just as easy to tell a man walking in front of him. Now you butt heads with these friends of ours, you're gonna come at them head on? They got lives, Freddy. Families. No. You move diagonal. You jag. There's only a few actors that can pull off being charming one second and then eccentric and crazy the next. And I think one of those guys is uh, Ray Liotta, for sure. He's great in this role as... Gary Figsy Figgis kind of plays the uh, reluctant sidekick or deputy to the town sheriff, if you will. His story arc is uh, on the darker side, but I think he's hoping to achieve some sort of redemption for all the wrong that he's done in his life and during his tenure as a cop. And I think he does a nice job of fleshing that out. Speaking of fleshed out characters, Stallone's Sheriff Freddie Heflin. Whoa, this guy. Why is it you never got married, Freddie? All the best girls are taken. Lovely, tender moment between Stallone and Annabella Shiora, set to the backdrop, of course, of Bruce Springsteen's stolen car. The boss, Bruce. <laughs> no, but it's weird to see Stallone so reserved and subdued. Usually you'd be thinking that he'd be screaming out one-liners and shooting guns or, or endearing training montages to fight. Russian nemesis is. And I think that's one of the things I appreciate most about this movie is that he was kind of willing to go for it. I think between this, his turn in uh, Creed, and even the first Rambo, guy has some acting chops. I mean, yeah, he kind of got pigeonholed and being an action star, and that's okay in its own right too. But before that, and even a little after that, he wanted to break away from that and try something more dramatic. And I think he rather pulled that off in this film. Was it best actor or Oscar worthy? I don't know. But he did an excellent job in it. And I think it should be commemorated as one of his best roles. And unfortunately, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But if you do decide to watch or rewatch, just kind of pay attention to the little subtle nuances that he's doing throughout the film. He's playing the part very reserved and restrained. And I think it's showcased nicely in that scene. When he was younger, she had an accident and he saved her life. He fell in love with her and she went on to marry someone else. Ouch. Brutal. I mean, she says the line, why didn't you ever get married? And he looks at her and says, 
all the best girls are taken. Excuse me, I have to go cry. But you know who's not crying? Because he, too, gives an amazing performance in this movie. Mr. Harvey Keitel. And you come to me with a plan to set things right. Everyone in the city holding hands, singing, we are the world. That's very nice. But Freddie, your plan is the plan of a boy. You made it on the back of a matchbook without thinking. Without looking at the cards. I look at the cards. I see this town destroyed. Now, that's not what you want, is it? I look at this town, and I don't like what I see anymore. Who the fuck do you think you are? I could watch Harvey Keitel walk across the street, and it would entertain me. I mean, the dude has an amazing career. Scorsese, Tarantino. He also plays a ruthless bad guy. And I think it's highlighted here in this film. There's a fun uh, director's cut version of this film. And actually, there's an alternate ending to that particular scene in which Harvey Cattell's character asks Sylvester Stallone's character, who do you think you are? And Sylvester Stallone responds, the sheriff of Garrison. Boom. But yeah, there's fun alternate takes, extended takes, uh, even alternate shots. And I guess copyright issues led to this, but during one of the scenes, they replaced the soundtrack with a Blue Oyster Cult song, I'm Burning For You. Fun fact. And as a Blue Oyster Cult fan, I think it adds to the movie. So all in all, did it add up to all the hype and Oscar buzz and accolade buzz that it had built around it? Well, the answer is kinda... It has a 70% something on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think a high sixes, low sevens on IMDb as well. Mixed reviews, I would say it got. Um, you know, what I found awesome about this movie, other critics didn't so much. Like, I thought all the characters and subplots were fleshed out and really, you know, tied up nicely in the end together. I... My criticism, I I agree with other critics. I don't think it stuck the landing per se. The last five minutes, especially the last like kind of shootout, is just like I don't want to say you know anticlimactic because I don't want you guys not to watch this film. But I expected a little bit better. Uh, who knows? You guys might find that you know it was a satisfying ending. I don't know. Would love to hear your thoughts. Send me a message for all like 20 listeners of this. Um, I rewatched a uh, Siskel and Ebert review of this going into this podcast and they were split on it as well. Gene Siskel loved it. He thought it was awesome. And Roger Ebert, not so much. Roger, yeah, complained about too many subplots, too many characters. And I think if this were to be, I don't know, written today, it would definitely play out as like a miniseries on HBO or like a, you know, a Netflix miniseries as well. I don't know how many episodes short, but, you know, I guess that's the difference between the mediums today and back in the 90s. It's a great watch. I recommend it. That's why I'm doing a podcast on it. 
And now let's play that fun game that everyone likes to play at parties. Do you know who's in that film? Starting off, Edie Falco has a small bit part in this movie. Uh, Nurse Jackie herself. Um, Paul Calderon plays an EMT in this movie. You would know him from Pulp Fiction, King New York. But he, speaking of Pulp Fiction, he almost played Jules, Samuel Jackson's uh, part in that. Tarantino had Jackson audition like a ton of times and kind of wanted to go with Calderon, but really ultimately couldn't decide, but he still wanted him in the movie. So he put him in a, a smaller role in that. A great actor. Paul Herman plays a carnival worker. You can look him up on IMDb. His uh, profile is about a, a mile long. Uh, a, a lot of Sopranos cast pops up in this movie, which I guess makes sense. Jersey, New York mob ish movie. Everybody's career pretty much turned out fine. James Mangold would go on to direct some other awesome movies. 310 to Yuma, the remake. The Wolverine. Logan. Girl Interrupted. Walk the Line. And Ford vs. Ferrari. So that's going to do it for Copland. Hope you guys will check it out. Enjoy. I'm having fun taking a look at some of these deep cuts. Opening them up and seeing what works and, uh, kind of how they got made i think the next one is going to be a little bit more mainstream going to kind of cash in on the 90s nostalgia it had an anniversary this year but until then this has been flicks with critch take care case is closed finished over go to lunch uh... go to lunch go hey go to lunch go to lunch the case is closed everybody get the Get out of here! Get out of here! The case is closed!